The Lord says, Father, forgive them because they know not what they're doing. Did they not know? Did they not know that Jesus was innocent as Pilate knew? Did they not know that they were prejudiced against him? Did they not know that he was a real man that did not deserve this death? Surely they knew. Surely they knew what they were doing. Surely they knew that when they cried, crucify him of the horrible death that he must endure as a criminal. And sure, they must have known to some degree at least the injustice of it all. They did know. But what they didn't know or didn't comprehend was the eternal fate. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. We're going fairly quickly to our message here today. It's the word from the cross where the Lord Jesus cried out to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a a compassionate prayer from the heart of Jesus in the midst of the thraldom of his own sufferings. He did not forget his people even in the midst of his agonies. I want you to hear this message today and please take it to heart. We have a couple of hymns as well. The blood shall never lose its power and though your sins be as scarlet. Our focus on the cross today is where we learn about Jesus on that cross where the Savior's side was pierced. In fulfillment of the Scripture, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. This is one of the the mysteries, the secrets of redemption, that salvation is not by works, it's not by principles, it's by looking unto Jesus looking unto him in his suffering. Let's do that today. In the misty days of yore, Jesus' precious blood and power, in the faith upon the cross to save, like a furnace terrifies to his home in paradise, through the power of Calvary's crimson way. And the
Our Father, we rejoice today in the sacrifice, the redeeming work of our Lord Jesus. We come to study it in your word, and we pray for help. Help each of us to take it in what it meant for thee, Lord Jesus, the Holy One, to die for our sin. We pray that you will speak to us through your word. Give help to each hearer. Give help in this pulpit. Lord, loosen my tongue and fill us full of grace to speak thy word, we pray. In the Savior's precious name, amen. Amen. Well, I always rejoice, as you may know, in another opportunity to preach the cross. And in reality, I reserve that opportunity for almost any Sunday of the year. But we do get our hearts locked into the events around this Easter season. How shall we learn from this momentous event? Shall we look at the root or shall we look at the fruit? The root, of course, is God's eternal love. It is that from all eternity, even before he created the world, that he planned the cross and ordained that his own Son, the second person of the Trinity, should take a human body. The Bible says that the Father prepared for the Son a body, and that body was to be kneeled right there to the cross. Now, the fruit is the benefits that flow from the death of the Lord Jesus, that a guilty, condemned sinner may be washed as white as snow, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son by one act of faith in the death of the Lord Jesus. And as God's people know, there is no greater blessing than to know that your sins are gone, gone totally, and gone forever. Now, sadly, there are souls in hell today that have missed the blessing of the cross. They are enduring the torment of the hell that Jesus bore on the cross. And that's something we have to grasp, that crammed into those few hours at Calvary, Jesus bore in infinite, eternal measure what wicked sinners in hell suffer for all eternity endlessly. There are some here in this meeting, and they stand condemned. You've never been saved. You've never been washed in the Savior's blood. You've never made it right with God, and you're on the run. You're running from God. You've never come to the cross to be reconciled. You've never actually understood that when Jesus hung on that cross with his arms outstretched, that it was a work of reconciliation to bring a holy God and your soul into perfect reconciliation to be at one with God. That's sad, and that's the burden of my heart today, and I want to preach the cross to you. Then there are those here today, and you ought to be jumping up and down with absolute excitement, shouting the truth, my sins are gone. 
Jesus has borne them all. They're gone, and they're gone forever. And this is all possible, because on that cross, the Lord Jesus displayed the work that He was doing, working forgiveness. And He revealed that in His first utterance, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, this, of course, is a great lesson on prayer, how our Lord Jesus, He began His ministry in prayer, how He went into the wilderness, and there He prayed to His heavenly Father at uh, lengthy times. And now we see that He's ending His earthly ministry in prayer as He prays for the very people for whom He died. And add to this fact that the Father always hears the prayers of His Son. Do you remember how He stood outside the grave of Lazarus, and He prayed, Father, I thank Thee that Thou always hearest me. This is a great confidence. And so, if you can know today that Christ, the Lord Jesus, prayed, Father, forgive them, you're assured of this total forgiveness. Now, this is all to say that the death of Christ on the cross is the world's most life-changing event. It's going to change our destiny, whether we end up in heaven with God for all eternity, singing His praises, joyful, glad in His salvation, giving all glory to the Savior for our salvation, or we will be in the very pit of hell screaming blasphemies against a holy God forever and ever. This, what our Lord Jesus prayed for at the cross, is going to change you forever and all time and all eternity. And therefore, we need to get this right. Now, the death of the Lord Jesus can be viewed four ways. It was a natural event. It was real people in a real place with real suffering and agonies with real nails through the hands of Jesus, His feet, and real blood, human blood, that flowed from His side. But it was also an unnatural event, because it was the most innocent man that ever walked on earth. When Pilate said, I find no fault in him, he was right. And never was there one who was sinless, and yet died as a criminal. It was also an eternal event, because behind this was the planning of God that He would send His Son to suffer and die to save His people from perishing in sin. It's eternal and also supernatural. Supernatural because it was the, the Lord Jesus praying, My God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Not only did men crucify the Lord Jesus, but the Father punished Him while He hung upon that cross. Can you understand how important, vital, to understand this saving work of the Lord Jesus? There are more people in the world that build their hope on this day at Calvary than in anything else. Isn't this wonderful? Christians in all generations since A.D. 33 have said, that's my hope for heaven. The death, 
the bleeding of the Son of God. That's my hope of peace with God. And even around the world today and all the nations of the world, this gospel, this message of peace with God through the cross is being declared, and people are accepting it to some degree. And I trust that here it will be true that you also are building on the death of the Lord Jesus. So please think over this text. We're going here to Luke 23 and verse 34. And I want us to just look at this statement. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, verse 34. Now, in this word uh, on the cross, the Lord addressed our need of forgiveness. The operative word, of course, is forgive, forgive. And it is the Son's heart cry to His Father. And we ask, what was wrong? What was wrong that men would need such forgiveness? Well, to these particular people who had cried out, crucify crucify him, uh, they were guilty, guilty and perpetrated the most horrendous sin possible. They kneeled the Son of God, the Holy One, to the rugged cross The Lord says, Father, forgive them because they know not what they're doing. Did they not know? Did they not know that Jesus was innocent as Pilate knew? Did they not know that they were prejudiced against him? Did they not know that he was a real man that did not deserve this death? Surely they knew. Surely they knew what they were doing. Surely they knew that when they cried, crucify him, of the horrible death that he must endure as a criminal. And sure, they must have known to some degree at least the injustice of it all. They did know. But what they didn't know or didn't comprehend was the eternal fate of such a sin, the horror of crucifying God's Son and rejecting him, the hell that it would dig the curse that it would bring upon them, even when they said, let his blood be upon us. What guilt did they really comprehend the damnation that would be attached to that guilt? Today, people might say, well, I know I'm not perfect. And yes, I have broken God's law, and perhaps I've done this, but I like the way I live. And people say, I know what I'm doing. I know it's not the best. But what they don't realize is that there are eternal consequences for the way people behave and sin. Or as the Bible puts it, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, they needed this forgiveness because not only did they kill the Son of God, they killed him with such shocking hatred. You read here in this account how they cried out in unison, crucify him, crucify him. They joined their voices in a chorus of crucify him. And then down in verse 37, you'll notice the mockery and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews. You can see the venom, the bitterness, the hatred poured out in that very statement. If thou be the son of God. Now, you made that claim. What a a claim you made. Prove it. 
And in that there was the sarcastic, bitter rancor of it all. In Matthew, it talks about the, the passers-by. They mocked him. And also in Matthew, it talks about the, the very scribes and the elders. It says, likewise also the chief priest mocking with the scribes and elders said, come down from the cross. Oh, if ever there was an undermining of the purpose of Jesus' death, it was that statement. Really, they were saying, end your mission now. Come down from the cross. And if Christ was going to be our Savior and to pay the price for our sin, he could not come down from the cross. He must remain there, endure the shame, endure the suffering. He must bear the curse and the weight of sin. He must offer himself in death, cry out, it is finished, and give up his spirit to the Father because the sacrifice must die because sin, the wages of sin, is death. And so he could not come down from the cross unless he was to call off his mission. But what cruelty were in these very statements. Now, these people needed forgiveness because they were blind to their sin. And, and, and Jesus said, they know not what they do. Oh, the terror of this that ought to cause in all of us. There are sins that we do we're not even aware of. There are things that we are guilty of that we might brush off, but we don't realize the consequences of the guilt and the punishment that we're bringing upon ourselves. We're not even cognizant that those things hang over our head. They're called in the Bible sins of omission, things that we ought to do that we don't. And then there are those things we know we do wrong, and we just brush them off. And the Lord Jesus, thankfully, prays for the sins of ignorance. That's how complete a Savior He is. Some people ask me sometimes, you know, when you cry to the Lord for salvation, do you have to name every one of your sins point by point, date by date, event by event, and ask the Lord to forgive you? What if you forget one? What if you omit one? What if one comes later to you? Are you saved or are you not saved? Can you understand here that in this prayer of the Lord Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, that even the sins of ignorance are forgiven? Did you know that in the Old Testament sacrifices, there was a special sacrifice for the sin of ignorance? Oh, they brought their regular sacrifices to God, but then there were the special sacrifice that was brought just in case. There was some sin not brought out, not confessed, and provision was made for that. And I'm happy to announce today that on the cross, the Lord Jesus made full provision, not just for those glaring sins that might be in a sinner's life, but for all sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, when we call on the Lord, He saves us completely. And I want you to rejoice. If you're believing in the Lord Jesus today, if you have trusted in His death as your Savior, that your sins are gone, and they will never return.
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and we're glad to have this opportunity to share with you the message of the gospel. We're going again to our thoughts about the cross of our Lord Jesus, where he died at Calvary to save his people. Matthew 27, verse 40, we read this, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Many times we think that no one is listening. From the boy in the Sunday school class who seems so distracted, gazing at the spider climbing up the wall, to the man in the pew who is half asleep, we all wonder, is even one thing sinking in? The percentage of people take from sermons is about 7%. The text where people call for the Lord to come down from the cross does show that a number of truths about the Lord Jesus did sink in. Mockery and jest are terrible weapons of spite and hate, but they also reveal insights into what people heard and thought in the life and ministry of the Savior. In the statement, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, we see that certain things taught by the Lord had indeed sunk into these wicked hearts. There was not a lack of knowledge, but a lack of repentance. They were still in love with self and hated the one who called them to forsake their sins. The second wicked statement of these hard-hearted souls was, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. What? In quizzical jest they called him the Son of God. The reality of that had hit them and smitten their consciences. Now, they thought they had a way to salve their consciences in a perverted kind of way. In their carnal reasoning, they made it as simple as, Show us your divine power by releasing yourself from the cross. There they were saying, Rise up, man. Take this into control. Otherwise, don't tell us that you are the Son of God. They were playing to the basis of reasoning and were flying in the face of redeeming love. The truth, as we know, is that Jesus was God. He could well have come down from the cross any moment he chose, but he chose to remain there in suffering pain. It was his redeeming love that kept him there to bleed and die. It was not weakness, nor the nails that fastened him to the gibbet. Not even Roman guards or spears kept him there. It was the covenant that he had made with the Father to fulfill all things for our redemption. He must suffer and die. He would indeed raise up his temple again, but first he must lay it down in voluntary sufferings. Then, on the resurrection morning, the Lord would declare to the God-hitting world that he was the Son of God with power. Those who rejoice in salvation through the death of Christ will never choose to mock his work on the cross. We love our Lord Jesus too much, and we love his cross too much, for on it he suffered through those long hours of agony, 
due to our sin. Through his death we live. By Jesus' one death and his one final sacrifice, God is eternally satisfied. We have total remission of all our sins through faith in the blood of Jesus. Now we say, Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God, and you did come down from the cross, but not till you paid all the debt for me. You cleave to that cross to save me, and now I cleave to you as my precious Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. We're going to move now to our closing announcements. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister. In Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister. In Barrie, where Reverend Anthony DiDerno is the minister. And in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one-to-one with you so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604-897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.